At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus. You can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Countdown with Keith Olbermann is a production of iHeartRadio. I so wanted Trump to declare last night. We were so close. He was so pissed at DeSantis. He was so pissed at the DeSantis Son of God commercial. He was so pissed DeSantis is trying to steal his Jesus freaks. He was so ready to declare in Vandalia, Ohio, that he was going to run in 24, as if we all didn't know already he was going to run in 24. So ready that the right-wing fop... Benny Johnson tweeted Trump would be announcing it during the fascist rally. So ready that he could have said 20 words that would have completely eclipsed every Republican candidate from Officer Dr. Lieutenant Herschel, the trained seal walker, to carry Eva Braun Lake and made every voter with the slightest hesitation about him at least rethink a vote for any Republican anywhere in the country Trump could have come through for us like he did in Georgia for Warnock and Ossoff. He could have snatched defeat from the jaws of Republican victory as only Donald John Trump can. God damn it. Somebody talked him out of it. He actually listened for once. We want nothing to detract from the importance of tomorrow. As the MAGA Jesus freak music played in the background, he announced an announcement next Tuesday at Mar-a-Lago. Oh. Although, if Merrick Garland has cojones, he'd indict Trump Tuesday morning. Merrick, 500 bucks if you indict Trump next Tuesday morning. Anyway, I am not going to give you a rah-rah speech on election day. I think I know who is listening more accurately than I have known who is listening or watching to any of my work since I started doing this 47 years ago. You are not undecided and you are not uncertain about going to the polls. But there is some stuff I came across I think I can bring to your attention that might help you digest whatever happens today and in the weeks ahead of counting and recounting. And it starts with the startling but nowhere near inexplicable truth that three late, reliable, sober polls affiliated with major both-sidesist news organizations, three of them show the Democrats ahead in the generic congressional ballot, but each poll so disturbed the narrative of the red wave that the three major both-sidesist news organizations dismissed their own polls. 
One of them said the Democratic lead, quote, spells trouble for Democrats. Another, which showed a five-point Democratic lead, dismissed the five-point Democratic lead as a, quote, outlier and pleaded that the results bode ill for Democrats. And the other one, showing three different kinds of Democratic congressional leads, simply left all of them out of its news story and headlined it, Biden approval ticks downwards. Don't get me wrong. It is absolutely possible that the Democrats will lose the House or the Senate or both. But there is a phenomenon that is at play and will remain at play no matter what the outcomes are. I have mentioned it before. The corporations which own the major news organizations in this country all live in abject terror that their profits might become at risk. They have had internal meetings about what to do in the event of another full Republican government or just a Republican House or a Republican Senate, but especially of a full fascist takeover. The first conclusion is always put Republicans on TV and do not challenge them, which is why Chuck Todd has a job at NBC and Dana Bash and uh, what's your name? Holly Popover have one at CNN. The second rule is hire Republicans, which is why Mick Mulvaney and Chris Licht have jobs. And the third is never be seen to be favoring Democrats in anything. So Politico can, in all seriousness, put out this headline. Voters appear ready to blame Democrats for economy inflation. Followed by this lead paragraph. Voters approval of President Joe Biden remains deep in negative territory. It is not until the second half of the third paragraph before we get, quote, many polling averages indicate that voters are more inclined to vote for Republicans as a result. The Politico Morning Consult poll is an outlier on this question, showing support for Democratic congressional candidates at 48 percent, five points above support for Republican candidates. It's the fifth paragraph before they mention that the five-point lead is more than twice as large as their own poll's margin of error, and they never address anywhere in the story why Politico is throwing its own pollster and its own credibility under the bus, and we are left to assume it's just cuz. I will spare you the full mental gymnastics that Yahoo, living down to its name, used to repudiate its own YouGov poll, except to say that it mentions the Democrats are up by two points, but that's a tie because the margin of error is 2.7. And then it underscores that since September, this represents a threefold reduction in Democrats' lead in the closing days of the campaign. It's Reuters with its Ipsos poll showing the Democrats ahead 48-46 among likelies, 4340 among registered and 3736 among all adults. Reuters simply wrote a 288 word piece about Biden's unpopularity and about the House. It quoted the University of Virginia's Center for Politics and left its own poll out of the article entirely. It's nuts. The people writing this crap and the editors putting it out had to twist themselves into so many pretzels that the world of the political pundits will now be seeing an epidemic of torn rotator cuffs. I am not going to go race by race for you. And frankly, I don't know what tomorrow's podcast should be about because I don't know what I'm going to tell you that will still be valid even three minutes after I record it. I'll think of something. Maybe 90 seconds in the first section and 15 minutes in the second section and 20 minutes in the third section. I don't know. But there is... One other trend that is already self-evident, and maybe this will be the lead topic tomorrow. Trump, the Republicans, the fascist news channel, and therefore all the mainstream media in the terrified mode mentioned earlier, will push the following narrative. They have already started it. Only vote totals from tomorrow night count. Anything that's still undecided Wednesday morning or later was fixed by the Democrats. This simple lie is what all Trumpian election denialism has hung from for two years. It is idiotic. It does not match anything in our history, not even just our history this century. Think about 2000. But it has verisimilitude. It sounds right to people who know nothing about whatever subject is in question. Not only did one of Trump's lawyers pitch this in Ohio last night before the Fuhrer's speech, Only vote totals Tuesday night count, no mail-in votes, no Democratic votes, no votes on Wednesday. 
But at least two Fox hosts did it, too. And with his usual restraint, Jiminy Glick, Tuxen Carlson, explained that the ordinary counting delays are, in fact, a Democratic plot to steal the election and threaten a civil war. Some late predictions from more or less credible pollsters to note Cook Political categorizing at least lean Republican versus at least lean Democrat has the Republicans up 212 to 187 with 36 toss ups. If, if that is accurate, Democrats could win 30 of those toss ups and the Republicans would still control the House 218 to 217. Larry Sabato, who is often okay, calls it Republicans 237 to 198. 538's models suggest the Republicans have an 80% chance of winning between 1 and 33 seats. Of course, if Politico, Reuters, and Yahoo were writing up those forecasts there, they would explain how much the Republicans were slipping. Actually, the Republicans are slipping. Trump lost 40 seats in his midterm. Obama lost 63 in his first. Clinton, 54 in his first. If the Republicans take the House, the Sabato prediction of a 39-vote margin is the largest of the credible predictions. No matter what the number is, even if it is one, even if it is 218 to 217, Biden will get pilloried anyway. One other development from yesterday will probably get no traction when it should. Yevgeny Prigozhin, Putin's chef, the goon behind the Russian mercenary gang trying to stave off defeat in Ukraine. Yevgeny Prigozhin, long suspected of playing a central role in the Trump campaign conspiracy with Russian hackers and politicians to interfere with the 2016 presidential election, and just as long adamant in his denials that it happened or that he had anything to do with it, suddenly yesterday, Yevgeny Prigozhin confirmed it. Gentlemen, his company's press service announced on social media, we have interfered, are interfering, and will interfere carefully, precisely, surgically, and in our own way. What did he do? He didn't say. It doesn't matter. Might have done nothing. Just saying it now on the eve of the midterms constitutes interference by itself. And lastly, to circle back to the media and the narratives, just to add to this perspective that the media is lined up against reality on behalf of the Republicans and their own asses. Think the new CNN hosting Ronna Romney on Sunday. Think MSNBC's liberal host like Maddow completely, as it turned out, ignoring the firing of Tiffany Cross to appease Fox and Carlson. Think the poll twisting by Reuters, Politico, and Yahoo that I mentioned earlier. On April 27th, Elon Musk tweeted, quote, for Twitter to deserve public trust, it must be politically neutral. Yesterday, Elmo tweeted, quote, I recommend voting for a Republican Congress. I think that tweet came after his daily Nazi meme, but I might be mistaken. Might have been Nazi meme after the call to vote for Republicans. A Twitter user named Kenneth Laster wrote, Elon Musk right now is like if Elmer Fudd bought a website of Bugs Bunnies. It's a great line. Elon Musk right now is like if Elmer Fudd bought a website of Bugs Bunnies. But it reminded me of the Family Guy episode where Elmer Fudd approaches Bugs who says, what's up, Doc? And then Elmer just shoots him point blank four times. Also, please note, this is Elmer Fudd Musk whom The Verge reported last night, has at least discussed the possibility that his real genius idea for making money with Twitter, replacing his last 10 laugh-out-loud disastrous genius ideas for making money at Twitter, his real genius idea is to put the whole thing behind a paywall. Put Twitter on a subscription basis. Question. Elon's Nazi memes, are they included with the subscription or are they extra? Still ahead, Steve Bannon is not going to prison, not yet anyway. On any given Sunday, the new Colts coaches Saturday. These are the days of the week. Spoiler alert, Chris Salism may have produced the greatest in his series of all-time great conventional lack of wisdom, both sidesism columns for CNN. Worst persons coming up. And the day the disc jockey who had been in a German prison camp for 18 months got mad at me for criticizing the New York football giants, 
and he tried to kill me and then get me fired. Plus a complete vintage 1981 KO sportscast. That's next. This is Countdown. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to season nine of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. It is 2024, and we're going to get through this together, folks. My campaign promise to all of you here on Next Question is going to be a good time the whole time, we hope. I have some big news to share with you on our season premiere featuring Kris Jenner, who's got some words of wisdom for me on being a good grandmother, or in her case, a good lovey. You know, you start thinking of what you want your grandmother name to be. Like, are they going to call me grandma like I called my grandmother? So I got to choose my name, which is now Lovey. I'll also be joined by Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, to name a few. So come on in and take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. I loved it. Your energy and joy. I'm squeezing every minute I can for you out of this season of Next Question. Last question, I promise. You have to go. I have to go. (laughs) But it's been so fun. And I can't wait for you to hear it. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Countdown with Keith Olbermann. Still ahead on Countdown, oh, Chris Saliza has finally reclaimed the honors as worst person in the world. Wait till you hear what he wrote. And my sportscast from 1981 and the disc jockey at the station who wanted to kill me for criticizing the New York football giants on his show. First, in each edition of Countdown, we feature a dog in need whom you can help. Every dog has its day. Happy news to start Ace. Ace was the pup who faced death in New York unless somebody adopted or fostered him. We mentioned him yesterday. He's been reserved. He should be safe if it all happens as planned. Yay. Today, Angie in Brooklyn, AMA Animal Rescue, is trying to get Angie a home. She is loyal, healthy, young, smart, patient, beautiful. They describe her as a sweet fur angel. She likes other dogs. She loves walks. 
She's a gray and white pibble mix, 50 pounds, gorgeous floppy ears. She needs a home. Angie is the pinned tweet at AMA Animal Rescue. She'll be my pinned tweet at Tom Jumbo Grumbo as well. Respond if you might be her forever human or just retweet her. Free unconditional your love can be yours. Thank you very much. Postscripts to the news, some headlines, some updates, some snarks, some predictions. Dateline, District of Columbia, Judge Carl Nichols with a twofer. He did not toss the Dominion defamation suit against One America News, but he did delay the incarceration of Steve Bannon until his appeal is concluded. Obviously, the prediction here is Bannon is trying to run out the clock and somehow get his contempt of Congress conviction overturned if the Republicans control Congress. I don't think it works that way, but Lord knows they'll try to make it work that way. Dateline, Forsyth County, Georgia, state Senate candidate Brent Binion there says his Twitter account has been suspended permanently on the eve of the election. Well, it's interesting timing, he writes from his campaign account, but my personal Twitter account has been permanently suspended for no reason whatsoever. I wonder what will happen after tomorrow. Want to guess Brent's party? Got it in one guess. He's a Democrat. Dateline Houston. Police arrested a man who hit Ted Cruz with a can of White Claw during the Houston Astros World Series parade Monday. He threw it. The man faces assault charges. I hope the White Claw is recovering well. But wait, Texas police acting against somebody committing violence? Are they allowed to do that? Don't they just have to go to the crime scene and stand there and pose and look good for the cameras? This is SportsCenter. Wait, check that. Not anymore. This is Countdown with Keith Olbermann. In sports, it might be the oddest NFL coaching move since the Rock Island Independents fired their coach in the middle of a game. After they lost 26-3 to New England Sunday, the Indianapolis Colts fired coach Frank Reich and named as his interim replacement ESPN analyst and ex-All-Pro center Jeff Saturday, who has never coached in the pros or in the colleges before. Apparently that is a first, though he did coach three seasons for a prep school in Georgia. And more importantly than all that put together, Jeff Saturday has dreamy eyes. I say this as a straight man. He has dreamy eyes. He just does. Our sources indicate that Jeff Saturday's assistance with the Colts will be former Vikings guard Milt Sunday, former Duke punter Will Monday, actress Tuesday Well, the legendary Wednesday Adams and Ruby Thursday, and of course, 1987 Bills replacement guard Larry Friday. By the way, firing a coach mid-game, that really did happen. I didn't make that up. On October 16, 1921, the Rock Island Independence of the NFL, although it was going by its old name then, the PFAA something or another, they had just gone in front of the Chicago Cardinals, who exist in the NFL today in a different city, 14-7, when the owner sent a player into the team huddle on the field to tell lineman Frank Coughlin that he was no longer the player coach and that quarterback Jimmy Konzelman was now the player coach. Middle of the game, middle of a huddle. Not as crazy as it sounds, that was the first minute of Konzelman's 15 years as an NFL coach, and he won two NFL championships. So, as to Jeff Saturday, check back with me Monday after his first game Sunday. Thank you for your time this time till next time. Baseball, free agency news, Gene Segura dropped by the Phillies. Anthony Rizzo of the Rizzo Quality Assortment opts out from the Yankees. The next Baseball Veterans Committee Hall of Fame vote to clean up all the mistakes of the writers' votes announced as December 4th, the Contemporary Era ballot. Eight nominees revealed. The voters can only vote for three. The candidates, Barry Bonds, HGH in a suit of armor, Roger Clemens, Roids and Amphetamines, If either is elected, some Hall of Famers will start boycotting the Hall of Fame. Rafael Palmero, angry denials in front of Congress, including pointing and wagging a finger that he ever did roids, then tested positive. Albert Bell, rage without the roids. Although lots of roids rumors and his career war, wins above replacement, is lower than that of David Justice. Kurt Schilling, hot and cold running scumbaggery. 
Fred McGriff, 493 legitimate home runs, maybe the most underrated pure slugger of the 20th century, except for Dale Murphy, two-time MVP who was not satisfied after one of those years that he won the MVP and spent the next month trying to improve in the Florida Instructional League. They should both go in, McGriff and Murphy. Maybe Don Mattingly, the eighth nominee. I've been a friend of his since 1983. Maybe Mattingly should get a Koufax exemption because of a career-ending injury. He was a great fielder and a better hitter, but I'll stay neutral. One real crime here. Keith Hernandez is not on that ballot. Easily the most impressive defensive player I have ever seen, and I include Ozzie Smith and Ray Ordonez and Jim Edmonds because Hernandez performed aggressive, original, intelligence, valuable defense from a position simply not known for that. First base. He's a Hall of Famer, like McGriff and Murphy, and they should put him in. Just don't get him started on politics. Ahead, I was 21 years old. I was on a top New York radio station, and the disc jockey who had been on the air since 1945 decided he was going to kill me and then get me fired. Plus, I will play you one of those sportscasts of mine from 1981. First, the daily roundup of the miscreants, morons, and Dunning-Kruger effect specimens who constitute today's worst persons in the world. The bronze, the CNN morning show, which I believe is titled Fascists, Please Let Us Live. After a fluff interview with Kevin McCarthy, Don Lemon, formerly the linchpin of their primetime lineup, who has now been banished to mornings with poppy somebody and the woman from the daily caller objected to well don objected to mccarthy lying and not getting any pushback from the reporter who did the nonsense interview quoting don he misled people about fentanyl in that there's a lot that needs to be fact-checked when it comes to what kevin mccarthy said about fentanyl seized at the border that fentanyl is not the number one cause of death for americans i think it's important to have kevin mccarthy on but it needs to be fact-checked a lot of what he said in that interview was not factual my guess is Chris Licht will now move on to overnights, on weekends, on headline news. The runner-up, Britt Hume, who was once an actual news correspondent for ABC, but who has spent the last 25 years prostituting himself for Fox News. Hume made a rare, alive appearance yesterday. And how old he is? He's 206. He made an appearance yesterday, and since it was 76 degrees here in New York City in November, they did the interview outside on 6th Avenue. It was that nitwit Harris Faulkner, along with generic blondes number 48 and number 239, and the generic brunette, uh, what's her number? Uh, n- number 116, that's right. Faulkner says to Hume, quote, You were here in the 1970s, and you say New York feels like that now. And, and remember, they're on a New York City sidewalk as Hume says this. Hume says, quote, ah, the streets are chaotic. I see dirt and trash on the sidewalks. I also see dirt and trash on the sidewalks. It's called Brit Hume. But our winner, Chris Saliza of CNN. Years ago, he was with the Washington Post and when we couldn't get anybody else, we would put him on countdown. He was okay, pleasant, friendly, Somewhere along the line, he earned the top spot on the Mount Rushmore of tone deafness, a place atop the pyramid of both sides-ism. Political groupthink, that's him. Conventional lack of wisdom, crystalliza. The House Majority Whip, the South Carolina Congressman since 1993, Jim Clyburn, history degree from South Carolina State, former high school history teacher, told Fox over the weekend, quote, the facts are very clear. I've studied history all my life. I've taught history, and I'm telling you, what I see here are parallels to what the history was in this world back in the 1930s in Germany, in Italy. But Chris Eliza knows better because Chris is a very serious political reporter, and he went to Georgetown, and he hosts political trivia night. So Chris Eliza wrote, quote, Rule number one of politics goes like this. Don't compare anything to Nazi Germany. Just don't, unquote. Aww. Isn't that sweet? Chris thinks there are still rules here. To quote James Earl Jones in Field of Dreams, there are rules here? No, there are no rules here. I'll go on quoting Chris. Chris. 
Before we go any further, it's worth noting here that comparing anything to the Nazi regime, which led to the systemic murder of more than 6 million Jews, is a mistake. It just is. There is nothing in our current moment that suggests we are anywhere close to that. Well, you're wrong about that. But firstly, Clyburn was clearly referring to the start of Hitler's reign in Germany and Mussolini's in Italy. He said back in the 1930s, he was not referring to the 1940s or the Second World War. Hitler did not get sworn in and then open the death camps later the same afternoon. He began a series of escalations, including demonizing minority groups like, oh, what's that guy's name? Uh, Trump, who, who demonized every group from Mexicans to transgendered kids. And then Hitler called for cleansing Germany, and then he staged political violence like, oh, what was that thing we had here? What was that? Well, they went up on the wall and they, and they uh, Nancy, Nancy, what was that? Or when they went to Nancy's house, what was that? Or January 6th. And even if Clyburn didn't mean the start of fascism, let me quote a tweet that's relevant to this, Chris Saliza. Quote, America needs a total cleansing only Trump can do with the help of true patriots, unquote. Cleansing. That tweet was in response to the nut job lawyer Lynn Wood calling for the execution of Mike Pence by firing squad, and that tweet calling for a total cleansing of America only Trump can do, that was sent by Herschel Walker, who may soon be Senator-elect Herschel Total Cleansing of America Walker. But Chris Eliza, go on. Chris writes that the election deniers like Herschel Total Cleansing of America Walker, quote, represent a serious threat to our way of life. After all, if we can't accept that our leaders were fairly elected and have faith in the system, it's very hard to imagine how we can expect anyone to effectively govern. Chris thinks the only consequence of election denialism is inefficient governance. It's not going to be infrastructure week quite as often. It's that. That's the real problem here. Not, you know, the end of representative government in the United States and a Trump usurpation. Trump who kept a book of Hitler's speeches in a bedside table and who believes the military and everybody in the government must be personally loyal to him and who asked his chief of staff, General Kelly, quote, you effing generals, why can't you be like the German generals in World War II, meaning loyal? And when Kelly told him, you know, some of the generals tried to kill Hitler, Trump replied, no, 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 they were totally loyal to him. Go on, Chris, about how much trouble a fascist coup, another fascist coup, would do to government efficiency. Quote, which is bad, very bad. But it's also worth remembering that democracy held in 2020, even while it was under active assault from Donald Trump and his minions. Yes, Chris, because as whoever was your exact match in the political landscape of 1860 would have said, it's worth remembering that democracy is held since 1789 and the union is held ever since 1789, even while it was under active threat of secession by John Calhoun and his minions. This is the essence of political thought in America today, or more correctly, the essence of lack of political thought. It hasn't happened before, therefore, it can never happen. Chuck Todd is a master's degree in this. But wait, Chris still has more. Quote, We absolutely should be vigilant about the potential rise of authoritarian politicians who would wipe out things like the rule of law to further their own political ambitions. I'm glad you're concerned, Chris. Stay vigilant over there on political trivia night. But let's stop making the Nazi Germany comparison for all of our sakes, unquote. Chris, I could go a lot of different ways here to explain to you how tragically wrong you are here. But let me just stick to a story in today's news. The guy who just bought Twitter, who had demanded that it needed to remain politically neutral to have any credibility, and then he bought it. And then he told his 115 million followers yesterday to vote Republican. The guy who on Sunday liked and responded to a quote that was falsely attributed to Voltaire was actually spoken by an American neo-Nazi and pedophile. Elon Musk, you've heard of him, Chris? Who yesterday tweeted a photo of a Nazi soldier from 1940? Two days, two Nazis. That's a lot of Nazis, Chris. The Nazi comp is legit. And you should be worried about what happens to you 
and me and everybody else, especially the enemies of the people that Trump has declared us to be, you should be worried about that in case you're wrong. And Chris, you're always wrong. Worry about that instead of worrying about correcting a history teacher who's also been in Congress for 30 frickin' years. Chris, when you're wrong and they put us in the journalistic detention facility, you and I, I just pray I'm in a different barracks than you are, Saliza. Today's worst person in the world! At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of Challenge Champion. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. To the number one story on the countdown and my favorite topic, me, and today's things I promised not to tell. And with the NFL in full swing and the New York football giants with a surprising 6-2 and two start, I thought we could all use a little comic relief at my expense. This remains, in short, as terrifying as anything else in my career. Death threats, fake anthrax, what New York felt like post 9-11, the frozen feeling of realizing you've made a terrible, damaging mistake on a story, even working for Rupert Murdoch. Worse than that. 
42 years have passed since this event, and nothing has dimmed the memory. Nothing has reduced the palpable sense of anxiety in every joint in my body. On Sunday, December 21st, 1980, the Oakland Raiders defeated the New York Giants 33-17 to end the Giants' season at four wins and 12 losses, with the most points they had given up in one year since 1966. I was the backup sportscaster at WNEW Radio in New York. We carried the Giants game broadcasts. In fact, we had carried them since I was two years old. I was now a month shy of 22, and it being Christmas week, I reported bright and early to the studios at 41st Street and 3rd Avenue on Monday, December 22nd. My first sportscast was at 5.30 a.m. There was a theme song which invoked the name of the regular sportscaster John Kennelly. It said sports and commentary. And my first few weeks filling in that year, I stuck mostly to the sports with just an occasional commentary, but mostly a joke or pithy observation. Well, kind of pithy. But that first weekend of winter, the giant stink was all that we could smell in New York, and I felt I had to point it out, pointedly. And so while I observed that there was a positive, they had started one and eight, but then had actually won three of their last seven games, the rest of my commentary was cynical, acerbic, dissatisfied. In other words, the average day of the typical New York sports fan. I ended my show right on time at 5.35 a.m., and to my surprise, I heard the disc jockey skip his usual post-sportscast remarks and instead simply play the next record, which I think was Frank Sinatra's The Way You Look Tonight. We were a big band station. I stepped out of the booth and took the dozen strides through the newsroom, busy even at that hour with eight or ten staffers, and I was sitting down at my desk when the door from the main air studio slammed open. In the doorway stood the dish jockey, and he had a message for me. The message was, You punk! The dish jockey's name was Ted Brown. On the air he was, Your morning man, Ted Brown! Speaking upbeat drivel, mostly to women who loved the mellow sound of his voice. Off the air, WNEW was his station, and the morning show was his show. He would fight for it. In fact, he had fought at least two news reporters in his time, in the studio, while Frank Sinatra records played on a turntable 30 feet away. Ted Brown was a big man, 6'3", 6'4", maybe. By this point, I don't know, 230, 40, 250, thick tortoiseshell glasses. He was a sports fan, a huge gambler, racetracks mostly. The Giants had begun on WNEW in 1961. Ted Brown had begun on WNEW in 1949. And he was tough. And it was not even the New York tough I had grown up with. This guy had been a tail gunner on a B-17 during the Second World War, and the Nazis shot him down, and they took him to Stalag 9C near Leipzig, and they kept him there for 18 months, and basically... He chewed up and spit out guys like me for breakfast. And I respected him. You punk! So you don't like how the Giants did? You think any of us do? He gestured towards the newscasters and staffers. Nobody looked up. You know how easy it is to sit there in a nice, heated, dry, comfortable newsroom? I was in Stalag 9C! His contempt for the idea of the newsroom was amazing. You sit here in your newsroom and pontificate while men, men in helmets with mud on them, their bones breaking, their hearts pounding, they are out on the field fighting and tackling and working on the field of battle so you can sit here in your newsroom. It was at this point that I remembered where I had first seen a photograph of Ted Brown. He was in a booth at Yankee Stadium, where the Giants played in the 1960s. He was the third man, a combination color announcer and host, on Giants radio broadcasts on WNEW. He was the worst possible person to have heard me rip the New York Giants, even the 4 and 12 1980 New York Giants, even if editorially I was completely correct and not nearly as hard on the team as its own announcers had been on our station the day before. What did you do to earn your spot here, punk? Ted Brown was turning red. One of his fists was already clenched, while the other arm cut through the air to emphasize how much I sucked. 
I truly believed he was about to take a swing at me. Then from behind him, the door from his studio swung open again, and the elderly engineer, the man who actually spun the records on Ted's show, came through it. Ted, I just had to segue out of Sinatra to Jimmy Cagney singing Yankee Doodle Dandy, and the, the general manager called, and he said, I should tell you, WNEW does not segue no records. Don't do it again. You better get back in here. The Cagney's almost finished. The engineer then vanished silently back through the door. This warning did nothing but make Ted Brown even angrier. The general manager! Have you met the general manager, punk? Jack Thayer! And Jack Thayer gets in here at 8.20 every morning on the dot. Clockwork, punk. When you finish your 8.30 sportscast, I'm dragging you in to meet Jack Thayer, the general manager. And that, punk, is when your career at WNEW Radio will come to an abrupt end. End. You think the New York Giants had a bad 1980? How about your 1980, punk, when your career ended? Because the real men, the real men are out there on the playing field, not sitting inside a newsroom in a sweater. This continued for some time. The engineer returned. Ted, it's there again. I, I just segued to some Mel Torme. Ted Thayer wants to talk to you. He thinks maybe you're not here and I'm covering for you. Ted Brown turned and swore dark oaths against the engineer and, for that matter, against the general manager, Jack Thayer, and, for that matter, against Mel Torme. You and me, punk! 835! The end of your career, punk! He lunged at me suddenly. The engineer grabbed him and pulled him back through the door. In the newsroom, there were only two sounds. One... My heart, which I suspect was audible, perhaps the next block. The other, typing. Nobody said a word. Nobody looked at me. A phone rang. The production assistant sang out, WNEW News. I went over to the newscaster who had been the most supportive of me to that point, Bob Hagen. And through my shaking, I said, thanks for the help, Bob. Bob did not look up from his typewriter. What? He said matter-of-factly. Brown? I said, yes, Brown. He's going to get me fired in three hours. Bob Hagen laughed. No, he's not. I said, he just spent, I don't know how many minutes, he spent three records screaming at me. Didn't you hear him? I heard him. We all heard him. We've all heard him every time he said that. He said that to every one of us out here. He said that about every one of us out here. He took a swing at Eisgrau over there. What was it, Jimmy, two months ago? Ignore him. I said I failed to see why any of what he had told me should encourage me to ignore Ted Brown when we had a meeting with the general manager at 8.35. Bob Hagen now stopped typing and smiled up at me reassuringly from his chair. Keith, you do a good job. Ted is nuts. Ted is mean. Ted is a crazy Giants fan. Ted is also still bitter that he's not on the radio broadcast of the Giants games. But Ted has also been doing morning radio almost every day since 1945. Keith, that's 35 years of getting up in the middle of the night. And many, many years ago, Keith, Ted stopped remembering things. Like what somebody said on his show. He doesn't remember. He won't remember. Just finish off the next sportscast with one of your clever, funny little kicker stories, and even if he somehow remembers what you said about the Giants, when he hears a good laugh, all he'll remember is the laugh. I tried to be respectful of Bob, but I told him I found all this hard to believe. Keith, he also drinks. He has nightmares. He has POW nightmares. And he gets up at 3 a.m. every day. He does not imprint new memories anymore. But no, why should you listen to me? I've only been on his show for 10 years. Why would I know? I'm telling you, get a good, funny kicker for the 6.30 and he'll love you. I nodded grimly. I did not believe Bob Hagen, but I knew he meant well. And anyway, he had started to type again. The clock now moved impossibly quickly. Incredibly, I did find just the kind of funny, clever kicker story Bob suggested I should use to close the 6.30 sportscast. I minimized my assault on the Giants and then finished off my report with some story that shed a good light on Montclair State College in New Jersey. 
I could not have known, and I swear I did not know, that Ted Brown's sister had graduated from Montclair State College in New Jersey. I finished off the sportscast with the story, something that made Montclair State look good, a little chuckle, and then Keith Olbermann for John Kennelly on the Ted Brown Show. Ominously, again to my terror, Ted Brown now said nothing on the air. I could not see him through the window into the main air studio. The engineer played a record. Instead, it may have been the Montavani strings play the Beatles. I opened the door back to the newsroom slowly and with trepidation. I crouched as I moved back towards my desk, and that's when it happened. The door from the main air studio slammed open again. It was Ted Brown again. Where is he? Where is he? Montclair State? My sister went to Montclair State. What a story. What a great laugh. Perfectly delivered. My God, that was the best sports cast we have ever had on this station. Don't you think so, Preeley? God love you, kid. What a talent. I laughed out loud. Kid, I don't laugh out loud. It was the same Ted Brown. I stole a quick glance at the newsroom to see if this whole thing was some kind of act being filmed for a hidden camera TV series. Nobody looked up. Again, nobody looked up. Ted Brown, the man who an hour before was ready to beat me up and get me fired, was now repeating again and again that I had just delivered the best sportscast in the history of WNEW radio. That's when his engineer came back in. He had segued from Montavani to Perry Como and the general manager had called and now Ted Brown's eyes widened behind the thick glasses. The general manager, Jack Thayer, say, Keith, Have you ever met Jack Thayer? This gives me a great idea. Jack Thayer comes in here every morning at 8.20 like clockwork. Look, I I love John Kennelly. He's great. But you, you are exactly the kind of new, fresh, young voice we need on this radio station. Damn it, that I need on my show. When Jack Thayer comes in here at 8.20 this morning, you and I are going right into his office, and we're going to get you your own sportscast on my show. We can do two sportscasts an hour. We'll take it out of the, the stock report. Montclair State, I'll get you a contract. You and Kennelly... Will 75 grand be enough for you, kid? You're going to hit the big time here, my friend. And out the engineer came again. Jack Thayer had again called in, fourth time that I knew of. He really needed Ted back in the studio to talk to the women. Ted Brown happily shouted, okay, okay, and began to back up into the doorway. The look in his eyes towards me was one of unimaginable love. Come here, come here, wait, come here, come here, come here. And he lunged at me and grabbed me into a bear hug. Just brilliant. Montclair State, I got to call my sister and tell you, see you in Jack's office at 835. I stood there, having now been pummeled by two hurricanes arriving from different directions in the span of one hour. All was silent in the WNEW newsroom again but for the typing, but it was silent only for a moment. That's when Bob Hagen addressed me. Again, he did not look up. All he said was, Keith, he won't remember that either. I still have nightmares. But what I also have is a cassette tape of a sportscast from WNEW from December 30th, 1981 with Ted Brown and me, and I will play it for you at the end of these here credits. I've done all the damage I can do here. Thanks for listening. Follow this podcast if you're not already doing so and tell somebody. Most of the music, including our theme from Beethoven's Ninth, was arranged, produced, and performed by Brian Ray and John Philip Chanel, who are the Countdown Musical Directors. All orchestration and keyboards by John Philip Chanel. Guitars, bass, and drums by Brian Ray, produced by TKO Brothers. Other Beethoven selections arranged and performed by No Horns Allowed. The sports music is the Olbermann theme from ESPN2, written by Mitch Warren Davis, courtesy of ESPN Inc., Musical comments by Nancy Faust, the best baseball stadium organist ever. Our announcer today, Larry David. Everything else pretty much my fault. So that's Countdown for this, the 672nd day since Donald Trump's first attempted coup, Chris Saliza, against the democratically elected government of the United States. Arrest him now while we still can. A new episode of some kind tomorrow. Till then, I'm Keith Olbermann. Good morning, good afternoon, good night, and good luck. And now, thanks to the fact 
that I am a pack rat, we take you back to WNEW Metromedia Radio in New York, December 30th, 1981. Yours truly filling in for John Kennelly on the Ted Brown Show. I'm Dave Spencer, WNEW News. And now, WNEW Sports and Commentary with John Kennelly. And good morning, Keith Olbermann for Big John. Sports is brought to you by Amtrak. America is getting into training with Metro Liner Service 13 times every business day to Philadelphia. They run from Penn Station, and if you were there last night, you probably heard some noise from upstairs. It was Ranger fans celebrating the new year a little early. Pearson in center. The Tonelli left wing. Feeds Rick wide to Nystrom. Two seconds to go, and that's it. A standing ovation for the Rangers, who have defeated the Islanders 6-4. to four. The Sam Rosen play-by-play here last night as the Rangers wrapped up a marvelous 6-4 victory over the Islanders, their first win over the Cup champs in nine games. It was tied 4-4 with a little over three minutes left when Andre Dory fed Dave Silk. Silk slapped. Don Maloney put home the rebound, and the Rangers were ahead to stay. Barry Beck had a goal to celebrate his return from the suspension. Duguay had a pair to up his total to 22. The Rangers are going to trade Dean Talifus and Jerry Gillis today to Quebec for Robbie Fatorik. This guy is your Class A diminutive setter. He works very hard. He has a long track record of busting his body parts for some pretty mediocre teams. He is 30 years old. Herb Brooks thinks he will help. Herb Brooks should try to get Wayne Gretzky. Now, what would he cost anyway? A few billion, 15 players, and Brooks first born? He'd be worth it. Gretzky got five more goals last night at Edmonton's 7-5 win over Philadelphia, meaning he cracked the 50-goal mark in 39 games, 11 games faster than the previous record, which was shared by Rocket Richard and Mike Bossy. Gretzky's biggest fans, his parents, were to fly to Vancouver tonight to watch him play there and try to get the record. He says now he's almost sorry he got the five last night. He didn't want to disappoint them. Neither local basketball team disappoints. That and more after this from Amtrak. Now there's a brand new Red Express service. The New York Roadies, better known here as the Knicks, come from a 12-point halftime deficit to beat Cleveland in overtime last night by 110 to 108. The Knickerbockers are now a game above 500 on the road and a game below 500 at home. That is not supposed to happen in the NBA. The Nets won last night, too, only they did it at home, 130 to 119 over Detroit. After one and a half periods of feeling out, the Nets took command. Their lead down the stretch was in the high teens. The Liberty Bowl last night was supposed to be an Ohio State blowout, but quarterback Arch Schleister inconveniently had a bad first half, and the Buckeyes wound up beating the Navy by only 31 to 28. This was rather unfortunate. If you took Ohio State, they were 14-point favorites. Not quite. Finally, they call it disaster turf, and the closer and closer we get to game day, the more and more likely it is the Giants won't get to practice on it. As the steady rains continue in the Bay Area, the 49ers continue to suggest that the Giants cancel their scheduled Saturday practice at Candlestick Park for the good of the bad field, which means that the first time folks like Rob Carpenter will get their feet wet, literally, will be when they come out for the game Sunday afternoon. That's sports brought to you by Amtrak. America is getting into trading with Metroliner service 13 times every business day to Philadelphia. I'm Keith Olbermann for John Kennelly on the Ted Brown Show. Good morning, everybody. Thank you, Keith. It's 21 before 7. Countdown with Keith Olbermann is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Dealing with pests can be a pain, but relax, Terminix can help. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast. If your home or business has pests, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com. 
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.